cliffcentral.com. Uh, let's turn our attention to something we do love to do every week, every couple of days, every couple of weeks, and that is speak to Jean-Jacques Cornish and get into African analysis. This is one of our favorite things. Uh, um, when we get to actually pay attention to the stories on our own continent, it is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, looking at what's happening on the continent of Africa. Here he is, JJ Cornish. Good morning. Bonjour to you. Listen, I, I just a minute. I'm just busy with uh, my other Twitter. Th- um, Elon, yes, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah very Im- Ky- so important. <laughs> what you, I, I, I can't seem to interest him. Anyway, yeah, h- h- lovely to be with you guys. Can, very nice to be with you. Can you believe that's a story? So, JJ, first things first. We did talk about Guinea-Bissau a long time ago, and um, they're, in yes. the, they're in the news because Lebang is very big on this idea of a four-day working week. And they're the only country, I think, credited where it's due, to have been thinking uh, about having a four-day week, and they actually implemented it for a while. Is it still the case in Guinea-Bissau? Not that I'm aware of. It's not something I've been following. I okay. I just check whether Guinea-Bissau is still a... You know, a drug refuge for for the <laughs> drugs coming over from South America to uh, and, and, and whether whether they've had another coup because they keep doing that. They call uh, it but, they, they uh, call it a narco state. Is that is that what you're? Yes, referring? indeed. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Although they seem to have improved on that. In in okay. all fairness to them. All right. But uh, it's a, it's an interesting little country, and uh, I think they've had not a single president who's managed a full term. Because of uh, disruptions, you know, I, I go back to Guinea-Bissau. Arriving in London as a young uh, reporter, just after the Carnation Revolution, 1974, mm-hmm. and there was PAIGC, the the organisation, you know, trying seeking liberation for all the Portuguese colonies. Yes, and that's when I re- learned about Guinea-Bissau, you know, and realised where it was, tiny little country uh, uh, in the Gulf of Guinea. Uh, which is, of course, where the world's pirates operate. So I suppose if you do have a day off, the the military and the uh, naval forces can't really take a day off because uh, every bit of shipping moving up and down the Gulf of Guinea would be attacked <laughs> on their days off, <laughs> provided the pirates get to know that. So, JJ, we were talking about the um, what some people say is the cynical thing that uh, John Steenhuisen went over to the Ukraine, and we can debate whether or not that is important. A lot of people saying it's completely unimportant that John Steenhuisen, the leader of the opposition in South Africa, goes to visit the Ukraine. But we do know that the Ukraine and the situation there is having an effect on this continent. And, and maybe it's worth referring to what the United Nations Secretary General has been saying about the Ukraine situation and how it's impacting Africa. Well, he was in Guinea, he was in Senegal seeing Macky Sall mm-hmm. uh, uh, this week, and uh, he then uh, said that there is this. <coughs> he's calling it a triple crisis: food, energy, and finance. And this is all being exacerbated by uh, the Ukraine. And he's saying that until they can get the breadbasket, which the Ukraine and uh, Russia in that part of Russia, and, of course, uh, Belarus, the wheat, uh, uh, and it's, it sells wheat to most of the world, mm. until they can get that back, uh, we, we're going to feel it. Now, I know the IMF uh, made a, a statement that we would have in Africa, the, the current year, the, 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 the new figures that are just about to come out, would be 4.7% growth, much better than the 3.5%. 
six percent that they found, yeah. and that means we will have recovered from the COVID uh, pandemic. But then, then they say, but it's going to be short-lived because this issue in the Ukraine is doubling food prices and doubling fuel prices in countries like Nigeria and Kenya. And so our growth next year is going to go down to 3.5%. So it, it's really, really affecting us. Uh, uh, it, but, you know, uh, it was very interesting, the uh, UN Secretary General. I mean, I see what he did in Ukraine is quite interesting, going there, going there, going after Russia and the Ukrainians were mightily pissed off about that. You should have come here first. Yeah. At least John Stiernazen seems to have his priorities right. Or is he going on from here to Russia? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hell of a story. Now then watch but, people but pay anyway, attention. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, and then end up in, in jail with Navalny. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, <laughs> you, you know, it's, but it's interesting to see uh, that um, the, 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 the debt relief that uh, – Guterres called for uh, is very important, but he's saying that, uh, and 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 the, one of the most important things was that he, the that we need a return to civilian rule in Mali, in Guinea, in Guinea, not Guinea Bissau, and in Burkina Faso, the three countries that have had a coup there. So this is something that uh, that Emmanuel Macron, the man uh, now re-elected, first man in twenty years to be re-elected, first president to be re-elected for a second term. He's going to have to look to because France sees itself as the leader right. in uh, Africa, the European leader of African affairs, and he's going to have to work on that one. Uh, but of course, before doing that, he's going to have to work on the parliamentary elections in a month's time, and uh, that's going to be—he's going to take a punishment there. You can bet. JJ, what about Tunisia? We've spoken about Tunisia, and it's been tough in North Africa for the last while, no small part due to the fact that Libya is still a complete basket case. Um, we, 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 we hear now that the president, um, and, and he's going to put some kind of constitution to a referendum, which is usually a sign that things are starting to stabilize a little bit. But is, is Tunisia on the road to recovery or are these people who are criticizing it even now correct that it's on its way to a one-party rule and to a destruction of democracy? I mean, is this, is this what we expect in the wake of this call for a new constitution? Well, you know, is that, is, I wonder if that's not a, a feature of Tunisia. That's a beautiful little country. <laughs> so it's not a bug, uh, it's a feature. <laughs> A tiny little country sandwiched between Libya and uh, Algeria. You know, that would be like a village sandwiched between Boxburg and Brackpan. You, you know, there's going to be problems there every Saturday night. You don't want, you, you don't want to go to sessions there. You know? but, but this man, I was there now twice for the, for the elections, the two rounds of the presidential elections. Yeah. And I was there. I mean, I remember, I remember that my first visit to Tunisia was going there, coming out of Algeria when it was in the middle of its civil war. Now, that's a question you might want to ask me about going, what did you go? To Algeria for, you mm. know, when you say, I'm going to Algeria, people said exactly what you said about John Sienes and why? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I went to Tunisia. I, I've got a very special place in my heart for it. And I was rather impressed with Kais Said. He's a very, very distant, very Spartan, uh, academic man. We had his old students used to come, uh, you know, be successful lawyers and that sort of thing used to come to the university just to guest and, and, and listen in on some of his lectures. He was that sort of figure, inspirational figure. 
but he's very distant. And then a year ago, he dissolved parliament and everybody went, whoa. But is it a feature of Tunisia that it's so lovely that when you come to power there, you are, you know, you need to have your fingers rested, white knuckled one for one from the levers of power. But uh, here he is. They're saying that he's trying to uh, uh, become a uh, 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 return it into a one party state. He's saying, you're going to have a new constitution. Mm. The fact is, once they overthrew uh, the previous president in, in 2011, or not the previous president, but they overthrew the dictator there in 2011, mm. uh, they, they brought in a new constitution. Now he's wanting to do another one, and his opponents are saying, no, 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 you're just trying to put all the power back in your hands. He's now he's got a, a, a group of representing labor, lawyers, trade and industry and the human rights league. And he said, they will finish writing this new constitution within a month and we'll put it to the people in July. So let's wait and see what happens in, in, in that case. He's also taken hold of the electoral commission. Now, as I say, I went as an election observer and the electoral commission is the, one of the few truly independent bodies in that country and very impressive bunch too, but he's going to replace them. So, um, you know, the, the, the problem, you ask me the question, is it on the mend? I would have said so, having been through the election. But now that we've come out the other side and Kay Said is, uh, is, is, seems to be grasping what power the way is, I, I, I don't feel very, uh, optimistic, very, very relaxed <clears throat> about the whole place right. at all. Okay. Well. Let's finish off with something close to home, Malawi. Uh, the tobacco farmers there have turned to Dacha because of declining demand for tobacco. Is this good, bad, or is this just showing how uh, the farmers have to be the first people to feel these changes and, and, and also figure out which, ca- which cash crops are better for them to, to work on? I'll tell you, as a, as a child of the 60s, uh, this confirms my belief that Malawi grows some of the best weed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on the continent, but uh, the, but you know, I lived in I lived in uh, uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, what was then Rhodesia? I'd spent a year there as a reporter on on the Herald. Yes, and uh, uh, you know, I remember people coming in with their eyes lit up like this and saying, "I've got an arm, I've got an arm," and I said, "Arm of what?" And it was a big, oh, big piece like this of of Malawi dacha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Didn't didn't used to cost a whole lot either, but I mean, so a lot of people have been enjoying it for a long, long time. But Malawi gets seventy percent of its international revenue from tobacco. Hmm. But the fact is that the, the last year they made about one hundred and seventy-three million dollars from their tobacco. Well, that's nearly a third. It's twenty-seven percent down on the previous year. The harvest was fifty million. Ton, uh, uh, kilograms down. Mm-hmm. Prices are 20% down. So a lot of the farmers are saying we can't grow this stuff. They've even s- reduced the number of tobacco auctions to, uh, uh for w- once and one hour on three days a week. So, you know, it's just not working. And, and, you know, farmers being farmers, they've got to grow something they can sell. And Dacha is the thing. Now, uh, it was legalized, of course, in 2020, as it was here, for medicinal and industrial use. So that means I don't suppose you can buy a matchbox for you've got to buy an arm if it's industrial. industrial. But they do have very high license fees. You need $10,000 for a collective. And there's about 30 people in a collective. So there's a downside to it. People have got to come up with money to be able to grow it. But there's no doubt that... uh, 
those who seek dacha uh, for medicinal or industrial purposes uh, can start looking to Malawi because, you know, it is one of the poorest countries on the planet and yes. it's also one of the countries beset with corruption. You know, they had that President Joyce Bando who sold a presidential jet and used to go mm. uh, on commercial flights, curse her, because I've been on commercial flights with Joyce Bando, and if you had her on your plane, you would land. You'd be lucky to get off that plane within an hour of it touching down, you know, because of the security that it got. So, so there's a downside to that, too. I never became a Joyce Bando fan because of that. But uh, she was she was put out of office because of... Uh, um, Corruption. So they've had grown-up problems there, and I hope that uh, you know growing a bit well, of weed is going to help them. Well, we also got a huge population of of Malawians who've come to South Africa looking for work because there isn't enough yeah. for them to do in Malawi. So you know, th- these these are things that we have to be interested in and think about. That's one of the reasons we like having you on. Um, just because a country might be, uh, you know, a couple of days drive or a couple of hours flight away doesn't mean that they don't affect us, their issues. And this is another example. So Dacha. Lots of people are saying, uh, I don't know if Dacha is the new gold. It's very hard to distribute after harvesting. If you don't have a distribution platform, you're just going to be stuck with a lot of bud. So there's some people who speak with what sounds like experience here. Uh, we and yeah, Malawi. Yeah. Uh, we in Malawi, says Ruth, should export marijuana. It's the new gold. Uh, so there are people who are very bullish, to put it in the words of the of the uh, economists, very bullish about yeah. about Dacha. Well, JJ, I wish we could have seen you in in the uh, '60s uh, with arms of of marijuana. That sounds like something I I think would be very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Well, I don't. I put, uh, for distribution, Gareth, I don't think it's a problem. You give it to your local petrol pump attendants because ah. they've been distributing it as, as long as I've known. <laughs> Take notes. Take notes, y'all. Yeah. All right, listen. Why is JJ the expert in wheat so know, much? This, this, is, this is great. This is, you see, he's a multi-talented, multifaceted human being. All right, JJ, thank you so much, sir. It's nice to see you. All the very best. There we go. Cheers, JJ Cornish JJ. here to fill us in on what's happening in Africa on this Tuesday morning. Cliffcentral.com.